0: Welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board. Our email is thedean.list at protonmail.com. Thedean.list at protonmail.com. Uh, reach out via email, questions, comments. Uh, we do enjoy reading the emails, so definitely keep them coming. I was at some meetings last week uh classical education meetings. Uh and, and these meetings are great. We get a chance to to hear from other educators in the classical Christian community. It just gives us an opportunity to uh hear what's going on really at at, at other schools, talk to other other educators, just kind of get an idea what's happening. And one of the questions came up of cell phones. You know, do you do you allow cell phones in your school? And at Waterbrook, we do not. And kids are welcome to bring their cell phones into the building, their tabs, you know, whatever they got. Uh, but we, you know, we don't let them keep them throughout the day. They They check them in at the office. And then they can get them at the end of the day. I don't know. Some schools uh, do it that way. Other schools, you know, they allow the students to keep the phones on them. I think that there's a, a greater benefit for the kid to not have the phone on them all day. Plus, I think there's a greater benefit for the community, the education and environment at large, if there are not. Um, cell phones everywhere just you know a bunch of technology in use personally i feel like it involves uh, or or allows for more personal involvement more personal engagement more one on one there's a greater opportunity for for one on one between kids you know between kids and adults and so my question to you is uh you know is is screen time monitored? you know as as parents? To what extent do you monitor the screen time? I am I'm, I'm holding a couple articles here from Epic Times and they both deal with with screen time and the effects of screen time. Uh, and the effects from both articles are the same but they're different. The first one is called Screens Negatively Impacting Kids' Brains, Fueling ADHD Epidemic. So, uh, were you aware that there is an ADHD epidemic among us? At least that's what the experts are saying. A mental health storm is brewing among the United States youth with attention disorders reaching crisis levels. And the article links... To another article that speaks about uh, the levels, the crises, and uh, I did click on that article. I thumbed through it a little bit, um, and it the levels seem pretty high. Um, it, you know, it's, it's 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 pretty rough out there. I guess I'll just say it that way. A growing chorus of experts says. Part of the solution could be simple, limit the screen time. And isn't this just innately how you feel as a parent? Don't you just innately know that, yeah, I need to limit the screen time? hmm Yep. New research links excessive technology use to rising attention deficit hyperactivity disorder rates. The developing mind is designed to attach to the most relevant stimuli. That is a quote by Roger McPhillon. He's a clinical psychologist, board certified in behavioral and cognitive psychology. So he makes the statement to the Epic Times, the developing mind is designed to attach to the most relevant stimuli. When you think of the developing mind, what do you think of some people might believe that the developing mind is uh, a reference to you know high school aged or even just school aged students but you know ben carson says that the the mind is is being developed the, the mind and the brain is being developed well into the, to the age of 25 mid 20s So, the developing mind, according to Roger McPhillan, is designed to attach to the most relevant stimuli. Screens over the article continues. Screens overly stimulate neurotransmitters, such as serotonin and dopamine, which are important for mental health. He also noted that dysregulation of these pathways can lead to disorders such as ADHD and developmental delays, and I think you know developmental delays are even uh, as important, oh, but you no know, something to, to be aware of equal to ADHD. So screens overly stimulate neurotransmitters. Okay. In a brand new 2023 study, researchers performed one of the most comprehensive investigations into the effect of screen time on young children. The study included more than 7,000 children aged between two and four. The authors noted that the results suggest a dose response association between longer screen time at age one and developmental delays in communication and problem solving at ages two and four. This illustrates the delayed ramifications of screen's effect on children's development. So, you know, we throw a one-year-old in front of the screen, and, you know, then we're not going to necessarily see ramifications until, you know, two, three, and four years old. Let's just let the screen be the babysitter. And it's easy to do. I get it. You know, we were there. (laughs) I remember, you know, just letting Elizabeth watch Barney the Dinosaur over and over. It, It just, you know, she would watch the same episode over and over. It's crazy. It was just like, this is genius. You know, and we, as parents, I think it's easy for us to fall into that trap that let's let the screen become the babysitter. And, you know, it's just something that we have to get out of. A 2019 study published in Trends in Neuroscience and Education tested the hypothesis that screen time shortened young children's attention spans. Researchers separated 30 preschool age kids into two groups. One group watched stories unfold on a screen, and the other had the same stories read aloud. After six weeks, electroencephalogram scans showed that the screen-exposed kids had brain, brain patterns similar to those with ADHD, and these are preschool-age children. You know, which can be you know I don't know two, three, four years old. Uh, after, after just six weeks of watching the, the story unfold on the screen, um, the electron scan showed that the kids who, who were watching the screen had brain patterns similar to ADHD, and those who read the exact same stories or, or had the stories read aloud to them did not have those brain patterns. That is very interesting. So you see here parents with young kids, the importance of reading to them versus putting them in front of, you know, putting them in front of the television. In a study published in Pediatrics, researchers found that early screen exposure resulted in attention problems down the road. The study included This is a big study. The study included 1,278 one-year-olds and 1,345 three-year-olds. Following the kids over six years, researchers observed that 10% had attentional problems at age seven. A certain number of hours of television viewed per day at ages one and three were associated with attentional problems at seven years old. So that's quite a delay. They don't say in the study how many hours of television. It just says hours of television viewed per day. So we're looking at at least least an hour. Um, I guess, you know, maybe more since it's hours plural. Attentional problems at age seven, when they're looking at hours of screen time at ages one and three. Additionally, in, 2020, in a 2023 meta-analysis reviewing nine studies of a total of more than 81,000 kids, researchers found that excessive screen exposure may significantly contribute to the development of ADHD in children. Therefore, the authors wrote, it is necessary to reduce screen time per day in children to prevent the occurrence of ADHD. Now, I this is very striking to me. I, I find this very interesting, you know, because ADHD, you know, when I was little, really wasn't a thing. It wasn't a diagnosis. And so now they're they're, you know, running these studies attributing, or I don't know, attributing, but at least connecting, correlating uh, ADHD and high amounts of screen time. This next heading says, brains short-circuited by screens. Screen time can negatively affect language development, visual processing, memory, and social cognition. Interactive screen time, which includes social media and games on a tablet or phone, is particularly stimulating to the brain, Dr. Dunkley told the Epic Times. It repeatedly puts the nervous system into a state of flight or flight without the benefit of discharging that energy, she said. Yeah. When hyperarousal happens on a regular basis, the brain's frontal lobe is effectively short-circuited. When this happens to the frontal lobe, which controls emotion, motivation, and attention, kids may become impulsive, restless, aggressive, or even depressed. And we are seeing, I've got another article here that talks about the increase in depression amongst teens. And, you know, the more teens become depressed and are depressed, then that is a window. That's an avenue for for activists to say to them, oh, you know, you're depressed because, well, you're actually a boy trapped inside a girl's body or a girl trapped inside a boy's body. Yeah. When, in fact, the possibility exists that if they limited their screen time, that depression would go away. This is uh, this is very interesting, parents. I'm I'm interested. At, at, you know, at what age do you give your kids a phone? You know, how old are they? And you know, we've got some elementary kids that come into the building with phones, and I just say, "Yep, thank you. I'll be taking that." And we encourage their parents, to, "Don't do this. Don't don't do it." Don't start them oh, too quick to medicate. The link between screens and poor mental health has become increasingly apparent over the past decade. So talking about depression, um, brains is short-circuited by screens. And um, the, the uh, article says that screen time has a negative effect not only on language and visual processing or memory, but it can also affect motivation and depression. So the link between screens and poor mental health has become increasingly apparent. Most treatment focuses on pharmaceuticals. In 2021, 8% of U.S. children ages 5 to 17 were prescribed medications for mental health issues, according to the CDC. Wow, 8% of all of the children in the United States, ages five to 17, were prescribed medication for mental health issues. That is an astounding number, just astounding. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a further increase among almost all psychiatric disorders across the board, including ADHD. According to Dr. Stephen Ferrone, professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Neuroscience at SUNY Upstate Medical University, amphetamine formulations are the most commonly prescribed ADHD stimulants in North America. Notably, amphetamines are also among the most abused prescription medications, according to a report in Molecular Psychiatry. Psychiatry. Sorry. This article is just um Mr. McFillin continues, for many conditions, lifestyle changes such as reducing screen time could prompt improvement. So parents, uh, where do you stand on this? Where um, you know, what is your what is your policy at home? What's your screen policy? Are they are, are the kids just, you know, are they just on their phones and then you don't <laughs> and you don't see them again, or do you limit, you know, do you say, hey, I'm going to give you an hour? Uh, This article continues. For example, avoid, quote, babysitter screen time for young children. A recent study published in BMC Public Health analyzed toddler screen time. Children were nearly nine times more likely to overuse screens when watching alone versus with a parent or other kid's. And they had four times higher odds of excessive use if parents watched excessively. Oh, there it is. So, parents, what's what's your screen time like? You know, they're they're learning somewhere. They are absolutely, uh, they're learning. They're watching us. I often get referred kids who have complex histories and or treatment resistant. And the first thing I start with is a screen fest, Dr. Dunkley said. This critical first step frequently leads to better academic performance, better mood, better sleep, better sociability, even if it doesn't solve the problem entirely. Screen fast. I like it. I absolutely like it. All right, we'll pick up more on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. On either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with CoFix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? CoFix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. CoFix RX is already famous. For a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone-iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new CoFix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the CoFix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Reading. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board. You can find us here at americaoutloud.news Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Of course, every show goes to podcast, uh, usually within 24 hours. So thank you for listening. We are happy to have you on the Dean's List. Last week, I was at a seminar of uh, classical uh, Christian educators. And this topic came up of, you know, how do we handle um, cell phone usage? You know, do we have technology in the building? And, of course, at Waterbrook, we do not. Uh, You know, when the kids come in in the morning, they, you know, they can bring their phones with them. They can bring their tablets or watches, whatever technology they have, but they have to check it into the office. We do not want the distraction in the building. We want the kids to be to, to have every opportunity to focus on the work that's in front of them. And I think the same, you know, really should hold true for home. Now, I, the kids, I, I think today, they do need to have some access. You know, it's how they stay connected with with one another. But I, I really believe that access needs to be limited in terms of time. Uh, you know, once we we go through some of these stats here, you are going to be blown away when I read to you the average amount of time that a middle schooler will spend on their phone. It is shocking. It's just, I, I, I'm thinking, how do you have time to do anything else? The amount of time you're spending on your phone. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. We... Uh, read this article from the Epic Times in the last segment. It was the article is entitled Screens Negatively Impacting Kids' Brains, Fueling ADHD Epidemic. And of course, you know, the article just talks about studies that have been done and really on, on younger children. It talks about ages of, of one one and three years old. And then Looking at the developmental delays when they're seven, and that sort of stuff is just—it's um, shocking. It talks about the the frontal lobe. This this quote here says um, that the the brain is short short-circuited by screens i don't know that we think of it that way you know we 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 give our child a cell phone or we say here play this game on my cell phone it'll it'll keep them quiet um you know we'll go out to dinner or you know whatever and i've been out and I've, i see families and little kids you know have these cell phones and they're just playing you know games instead of of having some interaction there at the table instead of having an opportunity to interact with adults to keep the kids quiet or you know, to keep them out of the conversation, let's entertain them. let's give them this this phone and just let them. you know. But it, as we're doing that, I don't believe that we're thinking about the the frontal lobe being short-circuited. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that thought. But the article says screen time can negatively affect language development visual processing, memory, and social cognition. Interactive screen time, which includes social media and games on a tablet, is particularly stimulating to the brain. It repeatedly puts the nervous system into a state of fight or flight without the benefit of discharging the energy. When hyperarousal happens on a regular basis, the brain's frontal lobe is effectively short-circuited and that doesn't sound good when this happens to the frontal lobe which controls emotion, motivation and attention kids may become impulsive they may become restless, aggressive or even depressed and they may not even know why depression can set in and and maybe they don't have that understanding of that it could possibly have something to do with the screen time. And I don't know that we think of things like this in terms of of our phones and our tablets and our technology when we hand it over to our kids. So I'm holding a second article here uh, from the Epic Times. This article is called Social Media, Fueling the Epidemic of Teenage Depression. So the first article we've gotten – an epidemic being, uh, of, of ADHD being fueled by screens. And it's happening in the younger kids. This article talks about teenage depression being fueled by screens. But in particular, not just screens, but now the content of the screens. And the target here is social media. For most American teens today, platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are black holes they can't pull away from, with the average teen spending over five hours a day online. But the price of connection may be their mental health. The average teen spends over five hours a day, and that's just the average. So we have some kids spending more than five hours Let's just go through the through a day in the life here for a second. Student gets up, you know, gets you know, showered, gets ready for school, has breakfast, gets to school, and then you know they spend their day at school. Let's say they're home by three o'clock, maybe four o'clock, and then if they're if the average teen doesn't have any anything going on after school. If, if the average teen spends five hours a day, I'm assuming that five hours has to take place after school, right? So if they're home by four, that's nine o'clock. Is there any dinner time in there? Maybe an hour. Maybe that's 10 o'clock. Um, if they have after school activities, if they're involved in athletics or clubs, you know, then they're not getting home until later. Uh, they don't have time for anything else. If they're spending five hours a day online, I mean, they—where they, where is their other activity? It doesn't exist. And now that becomes the issue. That absolutely becomes the issue. Researchers are starting to uncover startling links between social media use and depression. All right, this is where we have to pay attention. Parents, this is where we, we really have to pay attention to our kids. We have to, to pay attention to the amount of time that they're spending on social media and and how they're interacting with humanity. Each additional hour spent on social media sites is associated with more depressive symptoms. All right, so the the longer time spent on social media sites the greater the increase in depressive symptoms. As the prevalence of major depressive episodes among adolescents rose from 8.1% to 15.8% between 2009 and 2019, mental health experts began investigating the factors contributing to this uptick. So in the last decade, the depressive episodes doubled. I mean, Practically. It went from eight point one percent to fifteen point eight percent. So it it almost doubled in, in the last decade. And so now experts are 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 wanting to know why. You know, what's going on? What what are the factors contributing to this uptick and the prevalence of a major depressive episodes? I don't know what a major depressive episode is, it doesn't say so in the article. Yeah. There are many causes of depression, and they often interact. Jean M. Twinge, a professor of psychology at San Diego State University, told the Epic Times. For example, some people have a genetic predisposition to depression, but they might only become depressed if the environment creates the right conditions, she said. Spending a lot of time on social media might be one of those factors. Yep, one of those factors that creates just the right condition. Social media may perpetuate depression by doing the opposite of what it was allegedly created to do, enhance community and maintain friendships. The rise of social media has caused some youth to become less socially adept, isolating themselves behind screens rather than experiencing life authentically said Roger McPhillon, a doctor of psychology, board-certified in behavioral cognitive psychology. So he was also cited in this other article that I read earlier, McPhillon. He's the one that said the developing mind is designed to attach to the most relevant stimuli. And now here he's saying the rise of social media has caused some youth to become less socially adept. Isolating themselves behind the screens rather than experiencing life authentically, which, you know, if they're if they're on their their technology, the average of five hours a day, which presumably is spent after they get home. Uh, I just I I, I don't I, I agree with him. I don't see where and how they're experiencing life authentically. I don't know that. Well, you know, somebody might say, well, they're at school all day long with their friends. Well, uh, are they, you know, actually able to interact with them? I mean, they're in school and they're in a classroom. they're listening to to a teacher expound, waxing eloquently. You know, are they really interacting with their with their friends? Are they even interacting with the teacher? Hmm. Okay. McPhillin continues, for example, sports participation has declined significantly since 2008. Only 24% of youth ages 6 to 17 engage in at least 60 minutes of physical activity per day. That's down from 30% a decade earlier. And that's according to the National Survey of Children's Health. So, you know, a quarter of, of school aged children are participating in some type of physical activity after school? Only a quarter. Less than 25%. So 75% are what? Going to their screens? Why play a sport, something that's physically, psychologically, and relationally challenging, when you can stay in a world of social media that doesn't challenge you at all? McFillin asks. All right, that's a valid question. Sure. Yeah, I mean, who wants to be challenged? I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to go out there and do something physical or psychological or, or relational. I'd rather just, I'd rather just go scroll on the screen. Studies affirm this disconnect. People using social media primarily to maintain relationships feel lonelier than those using it for other motives. And that was a 2023 study published in Health Psych Health Psychology and Behavioral Medicine. People using social media to maintain relationships feel wonder, And, you know, we wonder why, you know, why students are, are increasingly becoming more depressed. While social media may facilitate social contact to a degree, they may not facilitate the type of contact sought by those who use social media primarily for this reason, the report found. This supports previous findings, reporting that Facebook users tend to be lonelier than non-users. Genuine engagement occurs in person, McPhillan said. Excessive social media use perpetuates feelings of loneliness. It withdraws us from the real world, he added. Young adults with high social media use feel more socially isolated than their counterparts with lower social media use. This was a 2017 study published in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine. So, so social media uh, d- does not actually increase social connection. No, it gives us a window to look through, but there isn't a social connection. It gives young people this this world that they can that they can watch this window that they can can glance through to see the activity of others, but there is no connection. And people, especially young people, need that connection. And so we wonder, do we wonder why they, you know, why they are drawn to the after-school art, art club when the, uh, you know, when the teacher pays some attention to them? and then to discover it's actually a GSA uh, because someone has, has you know made a connection with them. All right, the article continues. Though it promises connection, social media cannot replace in-person interaction. Over-reliance may undermine the real relationships humans need, and, and do young people with still developing minds have the ability to realize what what over-reliance looks like. Do they have that mental capacity to understand what over-reliance on social media might look like? I don't know that they do. Of course, you know, the folks in education today think that they have the capacity to uh, pick a different gender, so there's that. A 2023 study published in Brain Sciences reaffirms this. Researchers had 30 participants list 20 loved friends or relatives. And then they listed 20 loved influencers or celebrities. And then they listed 20 people they felt no closeness to at all. So they've got a list of 60 people, 20 loved ones or relatives, 20 celebrities or social media influencers that they follow, and then just, you know, 20 people that, you know, they could take or leave. Participants' brain activity was recorded via an EEG. As they viewed the names, brainwave's response to loved ones was much greater than to the influencers. Oh, but but I love this social media influencer. Yeah, okay, but when we hooked up the, the EEG, the brainwave wasn't there when you saw the name of the social media influencer. But when you saw the name of a relative or a loved one, say a mom or a dad then the brain waves were you know those things were moving they were flying these exploratory findings represent objective empirical evidence that the human brain clearly distinguishes between influencers or other celebrities and close people out of real real life even though subjective feelings of closeness and trust can be similar in summary, brain imaging shows there is nothing like a real friend, the authors wrote. So subjective feelings of closeness can kind of be the same for a loved one versus you know a celebrity or a social media influencer. But in reality, the brain views it differently. This is very interesting. The brain waves experienced are completely different. All right. Uh, I like these types of interesting studies. Very intriguing. Okay, we'll we'll pick up more of this on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Barton. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're talking about technology and really the effects of screen time i'm looking at a couple of different articles here from the epic times and the first article that that we looked at really dealt with the effects of screen time on younger kids and how it has the ability to really mimic uh adhd brain waves brain movements it really um, can lead to, you know, as the article said, other things, you know, one of those things being depression. The second article specifically deals with depression uh, in, in terms of kids that have excessive use of social media. So you know, the, the, the first article dealt with just screen time in general, when kids are young. The second article deals with Older children, middle school age, perhaps high school, maybe older elementary, that um, the effects of of social media has on depression levels. And uh, the article continues here, and it gets uh, this this next heading is called "Compare and Follow," compare and follow, because social media a lot of times creates this this comparison paradigm where I am now comparing myself to everyone else that I see on social media. You know, that's you know sometimes you think wow their life is really good. I mean every everything they post, they're all happy. They're they're smiling. They're just everything is great. And I was listening to a talk over the summertime and this guy puts up this picture of, uh, he and his wife. And there's this beautiful background behind them. Uh, you know, they're outside in nature and they just look so, so, you know, lovey, you know, together, they're kind of, you know, hugging a little bit and it's a very pleasant photo. But, but then he said, you know, this photo was cropped. And if we were to expand it out and then he showed the, the photo of what was actually happening on just either side of him and, and their youngest child is having a complete meltdown and it's in the picture but it's just not in the crop down photo this child is having a meltdown with just I mean you can tell it's screaming it's crying it's you know I mean it's younger I don't know you know maybe three or four but it is melting down but these two on this bench on this park bench just seem so in phase and they're just you know, and he's kind of laughing about it. He's saying, you know, at the time we were just saying, come on, just hurry up and take the picture so we can get this over with. And then, of course, what is posted is this beautiful picture, just of this lovely day and this couple just so deeply, madly in love. But what you don't see is, you know, the three, three-year-old three off to the side, just melting down. So it's not really fair to compare ourselves to what's happening out there in social media land. But again, do middle schoolers and high schoolers have the mental capacity and wherewithal to make that distinction? I mean, we'd like to say, yes, they do. But according to, to Ben Carson, their brains are still developing and they may not. And I fear that it, our it's taking our brains longer to develop because our, our, our reading has probably uh, tanked. We don't read like we used to read. And if we do, we're reading, you know, content that is, really? Is it going to really help educate us? Uh, I was i was talking to someone else the other day, and she was telling me that her seven or eight-year-old, oh, he might be nine, I don't know, seven, eight, or nine, but he's starting to enjoy reading and and he's reading on his own and she's really happy about it and i said oh that's great you know what's he reading and she she kind of was embarrassed by her answer but she said oh, i mean he's he's reading captain underpants but i mean at least he's reading and he doesn't want to put the book down oh you know i, I mean there are there are other books that you can that you can give to your 7 8 or 9 year old other than captain underpants uh, you know she's you know they they talk about you know bathroom humor and it's just kind of stuff that boys like okay all right i mean i'm not saying no to captain underpants but i'm saying let's let's throw in some other stuff as well all right let's throw in some some age appropriate uh you know biographies of of actual real life humans that you know, I mean, there's got to be some some age-level bios out there of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Thomas Jefferson or, or you know, some of these guys. George Washington, Carver, let's go. I mean, let's find that, I think. Right? Who's with me? Who's with me out there? All right. So uh, the the next segment here is called Compare and Follow. Self-comparison. A psychological process where individuals evaluate themselves by contrasting their abilities, attributes, or circumstances with those of others is rampant on social media. Yes, it is. I mean, we've all been there. We do it. However, it's also a contributing factor to teen depression. No, is it really? Yes, of course it is. It is a huge factor to teen depression. They get depressed because they don't think they're as good as so-and-so, or because they don't have what so-and-so has, or because they're not having as much fun on a Friday night as so-and-so is having. And then it's going to create depression. Exposure to the seemingly perfect lives of lives of others online elicits feelings of envy, envy and the distorted belief that everyone else is happier and more successful. Yes, it is, it is a distorted belief. We get this idea in our heads that 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 we're not as happy as the person, you know, in that picture. When in fact, (laughs) we are probably much more happier. All right. Uh, This can lead to a sense of inferiority and depression over time, according to a report published in Depression and Anxiety. Yes, it can lead to a sense of inferiority and depression over time, or maybe not even over time. Studies show social media addiction is tied to lower self-esteem, while those with low self-esteem are more dependent on social media. A vicious cycle. Wow, that is absolutely a vicious cycle. How do you get out of it? Despite knowing that social media worsens mood, people return to it, believing it will fill the void it created, according to a 2014 study published in Computers and Human Behavior holy camoley so we know that we're going to feel worse when we when we get done scrolling instagram but you know what we're going to scroll instagram because if we don't we're going to if we don't we're going to feel empty because we're going to want to know what's going on out there we have this the kids call it FOMO fear of missing out nobody wants FOMO you know we don't want to miss out on what's going on so we got to get on social media to see what's going on then when we get off we feel miserable Uh, A 2015 study of over 600 adolescents linked technology-based social comparison and feedback seeking to depressive symptoms. 600 adolescents. A correlation was discovered in addition to the impacts of general technology usage, seeking excessive reassurance offline and previous symptoms of depression. Following the ostensibly perfect lives of hundreds of people on the Internet is not what we are designed for. Boy, that is the truth. No, it's we're, we're designed for reality. And guess what? People are humans, and humans are not perfect, and nobody has a perfect life. You know, everybody has ups and downs. Everybody's lives at some point are filled with turmoil. All of us. You know, but when we follow people on the internet and all we see are their, their, their very best at their best days, then you know, kids get this inaccurate view that you know some people are you know living the hundred percent of their life to the to the fullest capacity known to mankind when and it's not the case at all. We're not designed for that. That is not reality. We're designed for reality. We're designed for human connection and human interaction. So at Waterbrook, we tell the kids, hand in your cell phones. In the beginning of the day, we're going to interact with one another. with Students interact with students and students interact with adults. That's the name of the game. We're going to interact. Face, actual face-to-face conversations. Unbelievable. It's amazing how that works. Quote, this goes against the tribal family-oriented natural order, McFilland said. Strong social connections associated with decreased depression do not form by following someone on social media. Genuine life-building connections are made face-to-face, and there it is. Genuine life-building connections. That's what we're built for as humans. And this happens in a face-to-face environment we're tribal oriented we're family oriented that is the natural order of things we 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 run in packs we run in groups you know even though the marxist leftists would like to destroy the family unit the family unit is the most important element of health to young people today i'm going to say that again the marxists would love to destroy the family unit it's one of their chief objectives but a strong family unit is one of the most important elements of a healthy young person today, a strong family unit. And, you know, what if you're a single parent? That doesn't matter. You can still have a strong family unit. Even if you're a single parent raising your child or your children on your own, you still have the ability to create a strong family dynamic and you know how that happens? It happens with one-on-one face-to-face conversation. That's how it happens. It, it happens where we sit down over a meal together. We sit down at dinner time and we actually have a discussion about something. Now, most dinner time discussions go like this. Well, Johnny, what'd you learn at school today? Ah, uh, nothing. Oh, oh, okay. Much, much, much. Much, much. Can you pass the potatoes? Munch, much, much, much. I mean, if if even that. No. Okay, well, start talking about something else. What does little Johnny like to do? Um, you know, to tell a story. Oh, stories are great. Stories at the dinner table are the best. I don't know any stories. <laughs> then start reading. Start reading. Yesterday, I read a story from the, the American Patriots Almanac. Get this book. It's full of stories of real-life American patriots. Get the book and tell a story at the dinner table and and start, just create a discussion. That's That's where real life happens, is when we have face-to-face discussions. That's what we were built for. All right, the article continues. How it's used matters. Passive consumption compared to healthy active use may worsen the mental state. So we've got two different types of technology here, or, or two two different ways to use technology. We can do it passively, where we're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Or actively is, you know, where we're posting. We're creating content. Passive social media use involves scrolling and consuming content without engagement. Active use means directly interacting, messaging friends, commenting on posts, sharing your own content. In a 2018 study, researchers analyzed depression rates among 702 social media users based on how they engaged with content. Increased passive consumption significantly correlated with more severe depressive symptoms. No such link was found for active use. In fact, researchers found a decrease in depressive symptoms among active social media users. These findings highlight the importance of creation over consumption, according to Mr. MacBillan. Passively consuming social media content works in direct contrast to actively creating and challenging our brains, thus causing depressive disorders. So the bottom line here is creation, content creation. That's what we're going for. But you know what else is creating? Uh, Other activities, like painting. You know how painting engages the mind? Playing music, that's creating. You know how that engages the mind? Gardening. Now, I don't know of any kids that like to garden, but, you know, getting outside, being, being active in nature, Writing. Oh, boy, there you go. You know, start writing. Reading. Come on, just to pick up a book. All right. Even if it might be the captain of the underpants, but I, I wouldn't be, you know, reading that one a lot. Just, you know, slip in some other more meaningful content. Or just just talking. Conversing may stimulate joy and satisfaction. Um, all of these things are creative they're all part of the creative force within us. Uh, Passively scrolling deprives us of all these benefits. Sometimes it's difficult to get kids to see that. It's, It's difficult to get them to see that their mind is going to be better for it if they will go practice a musical instrument rather than passively scrolling. But if you can get them there, Oh, if you can just get them there and the benefits that they will receive. And sometimes it's, it's going to be tough getting them there. You know, you're going you're gonna to have to pull them over that finish line, kicking and screaming. McFillin continues, most of the time, depression is a symptom of a greater problem. We should aim to address the root problem of someone's depression, not just treat the symptoms. Social media could be one of the root causes of teenagers' depressions. And here it is. This is the the final stat of the article. One in five 15-year-old girls spends more than seven hours a day on social media. One in five. 20% of 15-year-old girls spend more than seven hours a day. Holy smokes. you got to be kidding me. Where are they finding all this time? so the number who are spending extreme amounts of time is considerable it is not a rare issue if the average is more than 7 then you know there's a bunch of 15 year old girls out there that are spending a considerable amount of time the issue is not rare it is not rare so the moral of the story is parents you know what's our what's our screen time policy for kids, young and old, you know, for, for, from the littles, from one all the way up. Uh, I, I I think, you know, in both of these articles, they refer to an ADHD epidemic and a depression epidemic. And they tie both of those epidemics back to screens. All right. Who's in charge of their education? We are. We are. So let's um let's take stock of where we're at. All right. I wish we had more time to talk through it, but we don't. That's all the time we have for today. America, thank you for joining me. I'm happy that you're on board the Dean's List. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.